Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm sure you are. It was a good weekend for a variety of reasons. The Milwaukee Bucks won their first game in the playoffs. We're going to talk a lot about that, why I thought it was a championship win for the Bucks, even though it is game one. Um, we'll also talk about some of the overreactions of Bucks Heat as well, and then we'll chat a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers, who won two games over the weekend. David Stearns also made a trade, so talk a little bit about that. And then lastly, we will chat about chasing dreams uh, in lieu of Phil Mickelson's big PGA Championship win and a cool story that I dug out about a Wisconsin gymnast trying to come back, make a, an amazing comeback for the Olympics. So we'll talk all about that. It'll be a good show. It'll be a long show probably today, but excited for it and excited to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks do play tonight, game two at the Fiserv Forum. Hopefully it'll be rocking there. I thought it was a little weird that Fiserv was a bit like a church mouse until the very end. I don't know if it was an ESPN audio thing. I know I saw some people who were at the game tweeting that like it's louder in here than what it sounds like on, t- on TV. And ESPN did a really bad job with the audio. So who knows? Maybe TNT will be better. I know TNT is having uh, announcers at their at the stadiums. At least they were for Utah and Memphis. I assume they did it for New York as well with Spiroditas and Greg Anthony. I hope that continues. I'm not sure who we're getting on the call for Bucks Heat. Brian Anderson seems like a natural one, right? Because he lives in the area. Why not have BA call this this one? Um, always enjoy a good Brian Anderson game. But regardless of who calls the game, uh, hopefully they'll be in the arena. Hopefully we'll be able to get the crowd noise and it'll be loud like it was in Madison Square Garden tonight, which was an absolute scene. Unbelievable uh, environment and what we, we got to see New York basketball again for the first time in a very long time. But we're not here to talk about that. We're obviously here to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks game one win, I know a lot of people can look at it in the glass half empty way and say, Charlie, we only made five three-pointers. We couldn't make a free throw to save our soul. Giannis missed 17 shots. We really had to grind out and gut out a victory in game one. And it's game one of one of many games to go. Now, what I've heard some joke about um, back in the day was with the Patriots where they'd say this was the moment that the championship tape would start. And I think Chris Middleton's shot is where the championship tape will begin. And I said to a few people, and I'm saying it to you guys now, that was a championship win for the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a win the Milwaukee Bucks would not have had last season. The Milwaukee Bucks would have lost that game by 12 points. Bucks two years ago would have lost that game. The, this Bucks team, as the kids say, is built different. And they were able to grind this one out. This was Miami Heat basketball. They played Heat culture and they shoved it right back in their fucking face. It didn't matter. They took every punch from Miami. Duncan Robinson hits a big shot. Goran Dragic hits a big shot. Guess what? The Bucks got right back up again. And so I personally look at this and say this Bucks team can withstand a lot. And the fact that you're able to beat Miami by being basically nobody from three, five of 31, is pretty bad. Is pretty amazing. Not pretty bad. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing that the Bucs were able to win this game. And if I were doing a Miami Heat podcast, I would be terrified 
that I basically got the worst effort from the Milwaukee Bucks and my team still lost. That would send a ton of warning flags in my head as if this Bucks team is not going to go five for 31 again. And I mentioned it on Twitter. I tw- tweeted a lot, obviously. Don't tap WI if you can put up with it. And I said, like, look, this team's getting good looks. Like, Brooke Lopez nailed a three in the second quarter. And I was like, this team's getting good looks. They just aren't falling. Bucks had a lot of opportunities to make shots, and they just didn't. And basketball's like that sometimes, right? Like, we see that in all sports. It just doesn't go your way. And those games that you win when it doesn't go your way almost mean more because it tells you that you can win even when just shit is not going right. And that's good. And that's really solid for the Milwaukee Bucks. And something I'm encouraged by going forward. And you should be too. I thought the cool thing about Saturday, just besides winning the game, was everybody sort of had a moment in the game. Like nobody really was the dominant player. It gets overused all the time, but it wasn't random player game right like we saw with the Knicks not to bring them up again but that was the Alex Burke game and they ended up being the Trey Young game because Trey Young hits the shot at the end if the Knicks win everybody's talking about Alex Burks for the Bucks, it was a variety of guys now Chris Middleton hit the big shot don't get me wrong Chris Middleton had 27 points he is built for that that is Chris Middleton's moment he is a clutch player and you can say all you want about Giannis not having the ball in the final final seconds and just miss me with that. People who are talking that noise today, which you, there will be, there will be motherfuckers who talk like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that they don't watch Bucks basketball because that is what the Bucks have been doing all year. Giving the ball to Chris Middleton in those major moments and him coming through. He's one of the best clutch basketball players in the NBA, not just for the Bucks. And so it's not surprising that Chris Middleton hit that mid-range shot that he's so accustomed to hit. And that was Chris Middleton's moment. And I hope that so many more of you who have been Chris Middleton haters. Now, I feel like the Chris Middleton hate has kind of subsided. But if you still have hate in your heart for Chris Middleton, I don't know why. I have no idea why you have why why you would. Because that man is going to bring in more victories for the Bucs. This isn't going to be the only clutch moment Chris Middleton has this season. As for Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday was a major reason why Milwaukee stayed in it in the third quarter. The Heat counterpunched. The Heat brought the fire. Dragic got hot. Duncan Robinson started finding more threes. And Drew Holiday was the catalyst. He had 11 points in the third quarter. He then came up with a major rebound. Um, I believe, is that the overtime period? It was the overtime period. Gets the layup. I mean, it was crazy. The read he had on that was like a cornerback just picking off a pass. Like, he knew exactly where that rebound was going. Leads to a breakout and a layup. Holiday, this is why you have Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, I think, had 11 rebounds. He had, you know, Dragic and clamps in certain situations. He took some Jimmy Butler minutes. He, you know, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if they put him a little bit on Duncan Robinson, maybe to start the game on Monday. We'll see about adjustments. We'll talk a little adjustments here as a game two preview as well. Uh, But the fact is, is Holiday had moments. And it wasn't just Holiday, Middleton, and I know we didn't talk a lot about Giannis. It was Giannis had his day, honestly, on the offensive glass. 
Giannis finished 27, 18, and 5. But where Giannis was really vital in this game was that he had six offensive rebounds. And that led to more opportunities for the Milwaukee Bucks. And because of that, the Bucks were able to make more baskets. And by the chance, they were able to win the game at the end. Giannis had some really big ones down the stretch. And yeah, he struggled a little bit from the field. And he's he, you know, he did not necessarily look like a guy ready to play. I do wonder if the week off was a little bit of a fatigue thing for Giannis. And that I I kind of think he will have a big game too. I think you're gonna really see a big Giannis game tonight. Just as he's kind of got his bearings, and I think he's ready to go. He just did not seem fully and not necessarily into it, but it like he just did not. He wasn't Giannis, and he we've he's had some issues in day games in the past. Um, I thought that was kind of cured because he has a kid now, but the guy is a routine man. He has that routine, and when it's thrown off, it does sort of fuck with him. It has in the past, and it it did I think on Saturday, but also other guys that deserve a ton of credit for the Bucks winning that game. Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, each had moments in the game where they were the most important player on the court. Bobby Portis, second quarter. Brooke Lopez really kind of throughout the game, I think. You know, Brooke Lopez was the only guy really able to make free throws. He had, I think it was seven of eight from from the line. Brooke's been such a revelation in the second half. Mitch and I talked about it on Friday, about how Brooke just takes it to the post. And he's hard to stop, and he knows it. And once he gets it going, it's tough. And they kind of have a a decision to make because they're like, all right, we're going to put Bam on Brooke. Well, then that means Giannis is either on Trevor Ariza or Jimmy Butler. And while Jimmy Butler is a great defender, Jimmy Butler against Giannis in the post isn't going to work. And I do think that's something the Bucs realized, even though they shot 33s, which it's not a ton, right? Like, he shot fucking 50. So they, they shot 19 more threes than the Bucks did. The Bucks the rack was open. Even though Bam Adebayo is a good defender, the rack was open. Giannis was able to, Horace, Lopez at times. Like, they were able to kind of attack the rack. That was really good. As for the Heat, you know, look, if Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic aren't there, it's a wrap. That game is an absolute blowout. It was very ugly for the Miami Heat. And if it's like, all right, and it seemed like the Bucks defensively were just saying, all right, we're going to let Dragic and Robinson have their day, and we're going to shut off Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Which, by the way, Bam, and I, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler were a combined 8 of 37. Jimmy Butler was 4 for 22. You want to throw Tyler Harrow in that mix? Then that would mean those three were 10 for 47. The Bucks' defense was really good in this game. For all the shit that Bud catches, for all the stuff that people were saying, the Bucks' defense was really solid in this game. Yeah, they gave up 23s, but look, the Heat shot 50 of them. They missed 33s. And I know you're like, well, Charlie, that's still a good percentage. Yeah, but 53s is a fucking lot. It means that they weren't able to get what they wanted inside. And they kind of had to settle more times than not. And look, when Trevor Ariza's playing 38 minutes for you in game number one, that's probably a bad sign for your team going forward. I'm just going to throw it out there. So as for game two, I I think I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks kind of come out and lay the hammer. I just, 
I think the from a where does the fatigue lay in this game, because this is a quick turnaround with a very intense game one, I think it favors the home team. I think it favors the home team that they're able to sleep in their own beds. They're able to be at their own practice facilities. Now, I know with COVID vaccinations and things like that, it's a little more relaxed for the road team and they don't have to just be in their hotel room. But I still think that's going to affect the heat a little bit from just a waking up. Like, I think the Bucks, if they get out early, they can stomp on the throat. Now, could it be a down-to-the-wire battle with the heat again? Absolutely. I mean, the heat... Heat and Bucks have had some really good games, and it's the rivalry is growing. Um, I would not be surprised if it gets a little chippy after Duncan Robinson forearm and stuff like that. Trust me, PJ Tucker and Portis will not forget about that that forearm to Chris Middleton's face. Just let just know. I know Duncan Robinson won't end up in the lane because he's too scared, but if he does go in the lane, he better be ready to take it up hard um, because it's it's going to be bad for him. And I, I just expect the Bucks to really come out strong. I, do, I just don't think they're going to miss 26 threes again. And if, and if they're on from deep and the Heat still have trouble with Adebayo and Butler, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly real quick. So I think the Bucks go up 2-0. I think it's, I, yeah, like I said, I don't think it's close. I think they win by 10. I just feel really confident that the Bucks have the mental advantage and I think they have maybe the physical fatigue advantage and I, I just like Milwaukee in this one. I, I do also want to talk about some of the bad takes that we heard from a variety of people throughout the weekend. So there were people who thought that the Bucks should have avoided the heat. Um, said I don't know why the Bucks, you know, actively wanted to play Miami. Now you know Milwaukee didn't rest any of their starters. They they ended up beating Miami. Jimmy Butler rested that night. This was the Saturday. Now, context matters. Um, it doesn't on Twitter because everybody's just looking for retweets and engagement. But the fact of the matter is, is the Bucks were still fighting for the two seed. There was an outside shot that the Bucks could get the two seed. So that's why they played everybody. They really didn't give a fuck about who they played. They just wanted to get that two seed because that meant home court advantage over Brooklyn. Now they didn't get it, unfortunately. And then they ended up with Miami because they beat Miami, who rested Jimmy Butler that game. And whether they rested Jimmy Butler because the Heat wanted to play the Bucks in the first round, we'll kind of never know that. And the Bucks, though, aren't aren't the Clippers. They're not scared. They're not scared of anybody. They they know that they're gonna have to go through Brooklyn and Philly, likely, to get to the NBA Finals. And yeah, Miami's gonna be a gauntlet. But look, if you were facing some of the other teams, it's not like it's gonna be easy. If they had to play the Knicks, like if they tanked that game and it ended up being Bucks Knicks, okay? New York's a gritty, scrappy team. Are they beatable? Yeah, the Bucks would have won in five, okay? Like, it's a it's not a good matchup for the Knicks. We've talked we talked about, I think, uh two weeks ago on Tapping the Keg, about how Julius Randle against Giannis is just bad. It's not gonna work. Julius Randle will be shut down by Giannis. But they're gonna bite your kneecaps. They're gonna go Dan Campbell style on your knees. Like they will wear you down. And and people say that about the Heat, too. They're like, well, the Heat are going to you know, tire out the Bucks, and I don't know how much juice the Bucks will have left in the tank come game round two. Totally fair point if it's a long series. But if it's a five-game series, even if it's physical, yeah, there might be a little wear and tear early, but the Bucks are going to be all right. It's just a matter of not letting it get to seven. 
But I'd, I'd argue that almost every seven-game series, no matter if it's physical or not that physical, takes a toll on a, in a, on a basketball team and a hockey team and whatever else goes to games. So baseball, like it, it just takes a fit mental toll on you that it's not necessary. It doesn't matter how physical that team is. As for Atlanta, I, I said I wanted to play Atlanta. But I'll, I'll be honest, like I, I watched Atlanta today and I, I don't want to overreact and it might be because I had, I was heavy on the Knicks today. Would have been nice to know from Murph that 87% of the money was on the Knicks before it tip off. Like I would have found a way to hedge out because um, Atlanta was really impressive. And I think what I was impressed the most by, and I, Trey Young, man, he's such a bitch. But the guy is so good at his craft. He is so good in the major moments. He's great on the floater game. He has a great three-point shot. The fact that he can find Bogdan Bogdanovich makes me just want to curl up into a ball every time because I think the Bucks lose 12 games this year if Bogey's on the team. Like I think the Bucks are the one seed and they are just wrecking shit the entire playoffs. Like I I really do. Like I think the Bucks would have been elite. They would have been a, such a good basketball team this year with Bogey and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Giannis. It would have been so special to watch. Instead, we have to watch around the fucking Hawks. And yeah, the Hawks are the Hawks would give the Bucks a, a series. I'm not saying they beat the Bucks, but it'd be a series for sure. Capella is a decent matchup for Giannis, and it it's not a walkover. I think a lot of us expected the Hawks to just be the Hawks, right? In a weird way, Mike Budenholzer's Hawks, which I'm sure makes a lot of us cringe. But these aren't your these aren't your older brothers' Hawks, man. And so they deserve a little more respect. So I think it's fine the Bucks played the Heat. And then people are gonna be like, well, why didn't and that's just wrong with what today's NBA is. Look, play, if you want to be the best, you gotta beat the best. And if the Bucks go through Miami, Brooklyn, and Philly to get to the final, that's that's really fucking impressive. That's not that's not gonna be easy either. And there's gonna be a lot of games like this where basically we all want to chain smoke, um, and it's game one. I was standing up, starting three minutes left to go in the game. I had thrown my phone. I was yelling, like it, this is game one, man. Like I I can't be doing this every game. So maybe the Bucks can just deliver the hammer against the Heat tonight and kind of give us a little easy breathing but we'll be back uh to do the podcast mostly hot topics today we'll be back to do the podcast tomorrow pretty much right after the game if i can um if something holds me back maybe I, i'll do it a little later but we'll try to get it up up early again as we are today for the first time in i think like two weeks moving on to the milwaukee brewers um the brewers quietly won two games this weekend it was kind of funny my dad who's a Brewer optimist, dire Brewer fan. I was out to dinner with him on Friday with my fiance and my mom. And I was kind of trying to keep my dad calm because the service at Tess was less than stellar. I like Tess. Tess is good food. But man, whew, it was a shit show there on Friday. Anyways, so I was kind of trying to keep him loose. We're talking sports, whatever. And I mentioned, I said, you know, Brewers better pick it up or... They're going to be left in the dust. If the Bucks get good, no one's going to care about the Brewers. And he was like, well, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe the pressure will be off. Maybe just nobody will care about the Brewers and they can just kind of slide in under the radar. And when everybody's ready to do baseball again, the Brewers are right around the division lead. 
was like, well, that's one way. That's one way to look at it. And this was before day. And this was the day of David Stearns deciding to trade a shortstop. Now I want to kind of do the David Stearns hot seat slash our Brewers fans spoiled conversation with Mitch on Wednesday. So I'm going to save a lot of my David Stearns takes for Mitch when we do Tapping the Cag. It'll be on Thursday. Be our last show of the week. I probably won't do a Friday show. We'll talk about that at the end and kind of give you guys a schedule. But the fact that, no, I am doing a Friday show because Bucks playing Thursday. Fuck. Anyways, um, David Stearns, yes, made a move for Willie Adonis, uh, new shortstop, and Trevor Richards, and they traded away two of the Brewers relievers. Now, originally, it did not look great because uh, Josh Lindblom had to pitch on Friday, and the Brewers could kind of crawl on their way back, and then Lindblom gave up a ton of runs, and that was over. Jesse Winker is now the new Jay Bruce, just an absolute Brewer killer. Uh, Jesse Winker has the trophy from Jay Bruce as the number one Brewers killer. But the Brewers won their first series since uh, Miami. It's been a while. Um, Milwaukee's record, I believe, now is 7-13 and for the month of May. So they have a little bit of an opportunity here to get back to 500. Now, two wins is, is one thing. Three or four wins is another thing. And now you're facing a red-hot San Diego team. And they're not going to be easy to beat. Now, the critics, the haters, if you will, will say, all right, San Diego has beat Colorado and Seattle. And that's why they got hot. Two of the worst teams in in baseball. Colorado is dog shit on the road. They've won two games all year on the road. And then Seattle is just not good either. So I'm not necessarily putting a ton of stock in that San Diego is this red hot team. Is Fernando Tatis hitting the absolute shit out of the ball? Yeah, he is. But guess what? The Brewers have a very good pitching staff. Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff here, those guys, they're going to be on the mound. It sucks that we won't have Freddie Peralta, and we'll have to do Hauser and Anderson. But as long as the Brewers can get one of two from Hauser or from Woodruff and Burns, that's great. And if they get both, then it's house money the rest of the weekend. I'm fi- the rest of the week. I'm fine with the split. And then you're going to be 9-15 and 15 in the month of May. That's, again, I would like the Brewers to kind of start figuring it out and getting hot. But all that matters is that there's signs of progress. And the Brewers have had now four-plus runs in the last, I think, five games. So even though that they're two-and-two two two in those, they've had four-plus runs. And that's, that's encouraging. That's signs of the right direction. Christian Yelich was absolutely smoking the baseball today. Everything that went off Christian Yelich's bat was hot. Now, I agree with Brewmath, who's a great follow, by the way. One of the best Brewer follows that you can get. Uh, just guy who just gives you a lot of information. Makes you smarter as a as a uh, baseball fan. And the fact he said, like, Yelich is too patient. Like, he needs to start just going after pitches. Now, it's 3-0, and he just launched one. To left center, to right center field, 440 feet to get his first home run of the year. Now we know with Christian Yelich, when Christian Yelich gets hot, it's one of the best things to watch. I was listening to a podcast with Bill Simmons saying like Manny Ramirez was like a must see. You had to watch every at bat. When and, and we've talked about this on our show, uh, Tapping the Keg, we did the Must See Brewer podcast. Like when Christian Yelich is hot, it's like look out. I'm not going to just say one game Christian Yelich is back. But I will say, and I think we'll have a blog to support this, it started to look like Christian Yelich again. It's one game, but 
it's Christian. It, it looked like Christian Yelich. Now, is does that mean that it's going to be this red hot streak for the next month and he plays his way in the MVP contention? No, I don't know. But it at least looked like the Yelich of old. And I'm really hoping that that is a sign of the future. And Adamas had a nice game. He had two RBIs early. Um, he hit the ball a little bit better. Luis Urias, of course, hits a home run. Playing second base, it'll be interesting to see if the Brewers use him more at second. I don't know if that's going to help their their hitting problems to have Adamas and Urias in the lineup. But look, Urias has five home runs. He's one off the team lead. Not actually now two because Garcia had his seventh, which is the team lead. But yeah, it's things are starting to be all right. We'll see what happens with San Diego. It's a shame that they're playing the same weekend as the Brewers and, or the Bucks and the Heat because the Bucks and Heat are Monday and Thursday. So you got you got a lot to watch tomorrow night. Tomorrow night or tonight, excuse me, is a great sports night for a Monday night. If you're a server or you're a bartender and you have tonight off, like awesome day to get go to the bar. I would not go to a bar on a Monday. It's just too much for me. Can't. By the way, I was out uh, over the weekend. COVID just done. Just cancel COVID. Uh, there is this hard uh, bouncer. Oh, I should do a Chuck's corner. We should we should really do a Chuck's corner on this guy. But I'll just I'll do a quick fucking whatever. I'm flowing. Uh, this guy. So he is the biggest hardo in Milwaukee. Like no one is a bigger hardo than this guy. He just is adamant on telling people to wear masks. He tells people to sit down. Like he has to jerk off to the power that he has right now. I have to think he's a failed cop. Like there's nothing that screams more about this guy than failed cop. If you're curious, yes, he is muscular and white. And so that that gives me the failed cop vibes. So this guy is like telling my guy Mike and Mitch to to say we got to move because I guess we had to keep the walkway clear, which I didn't understand because every, you know the city's at full capacity for bars. The masks come off in June, but let me tell you, no one's really wearing masks anymore. <laughs> masks are kind of done. Like nomads like didn't even really ask us like, hey, can you put on your mask when you enter the, enter the patio? No. Mike did get yelled at for going into the bar without a mask on. He he pushed his luck. But at Malone's, we walked right in. Malone's, great fucking establishment. Always like Malone's. It was a pandemic spot for us. But anyways, back to this hard up. So he only goes up to us. We are the only people that he thinks he can push around. And I said to him, he didn't hear me because it was pretty loud at the place. But I was like, has to kill you. The mask mandate's coming off. Like your power is just gone. Like you have nothing left. Like what are you going to do? How are you going to tell people how to how to enjoy their bar? And I really want to tell the nomad. Like, I've never been like a Karen. I've never been one to complain. But I do kind of want to just send a note to the, to the nomad management staff. And I think I do know the bar manager, not personally. But she's she bartends and she's, she's a nice person. And we've shot the shit about different things before. And I think if I do talk to her again, I'm just going to just be like, hey, you know this guy sucks. Like he is, and I'm sure he probably, he's a nice guy, whatever, but he really hurts your experience. And I, I'm not the only one who thinks this way. And oh yeah, by the way, he scared my dog and my dog ran away partly. Now she had a leash on, but 
I don't know. I hate this guy's guts. He's literally my least favorite bouncer of maybe all time. Like I, I can't remember a bouncer. I've usually, I'm usually pretty friendly with bouncers. I can't remember a bouncer like this that I just absolutely despised. And they, and now I've been going to fucking Milwaukee bars for it's over ten years probably now, which makes me feel pretty old. But that's okay. That's all right. It's all part of growing up. All right, little sidetrack there. Sorry about that. So we'll see what happens with San Diego. I'm very excited for for that series, and we'll we'll talk a lot about that as as the week goes on. Lastly, uh, I would be kind of remiss not to talk about Phil Mickelson. Now, I'm not a big Phil Mickelson guy, okay? Um, I don't know if that's a spicy take or not. I think a lot of people were rooting for Phil. Phil has a lot of fans. Um, my dad hates Phil Mickelson. I don't know why. I think he just thinks he's a country club prick. That's what he's said in the past. Um, and he is usually a guy who cheers for old dudes because it makes him think that he can do it. He's 66 or 67. And he was, and I asked him at dinner, same dinner I referred to earlier. I was like, "Hey, are you like rooting for Phil? Like he's an old guy." He's like, "Fuck that! Like I'm never gonna root for Phil." I was like, "All right, okay, just check it." I had to check, and you know, here's the thing. So I'm not a Phil guy, and I probably will never be a Phil guy. That's okay, but I, I will say that it's hard not to respect what Phil Mickelson did this weekend. It is unbelievable and it was so it was so good and he had a quote on may 11th and said this i've failed many times in my life and career and because of this i've learned a lot instead of feeling defeated countless times i've used it to fuel used it as fuel to drive me to work harder so today join me in accepting our failures let's use them to motivate us to work even harder now, if that's not some fucking Monday motivation shit, I don't know what is, right? And it just tells you. I mean, this guy's 50. This guy could easily just go to the Champions Tour, make a ton of money, and just do nothing. And he could play He could play the, the majors and could easily and just cash in. And just, yeah, make a cut here and there. Kind of be the Fred Couples of, th- of this generation, right? Beloved by so many people. And, you know, get an occasional major check here and there. But instead, Phil's like, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm going to put myself in fighting shape. And I'm going to go toe-to-toe with some of the best young golfers in the world. We've heard for how long how good of a sport golf is in. And that how many people expected a young guy to come up and get it? Or for Jordan Spieth to kind of reclaim his throne and get the Spieth slam as he's won away from the Grand Slam of golf. Didn't happen. Jordan Spieth was never around. Roy McIlroy showed signs of life two weeks ago. This was a course he won at in 2012. Rory was nowhere to be found this entire weekend. Dustin Johnson is the first number one to miss back-to-back cuts. Since I think Lee Trevino um, back in the 70s. Dustin Johnson, complete afterthought. A lot of people liked him. Brooks Kepka now did come with it. But in a weird way, Brooks broke down in the, in the, on, sat, on Sunday. I love Brooks, but him complaining about the crowd was kind of bullshit. 
And I wish he didn't have done that. But I get it. He's he's a sore loser. He's a football player. It's, he takes this shit tough. Majors matter to Brooks. And so I, I just think that Brooks could not keep up with Phil. Which is crazy to say because Phil is a 50-year-old. But Brooks' knee is fucked. And maybe he shouldn't have even been out there. I don't know. But no one really made that run besides Brooks. And I thought Brooks was going to be the one standing. Like, I thought Phil would fall apart. It's very similar to when Gary Woodland was leading the U.S. Open. I think that was at Pebble a couple years ago. Like, Murph and I were convinced that Gary Woodland was going to fall apart at some point. Gary Woodland never did. Phil never fell, fall, fell apart. And so he kept chasing the idea that he could still do this with these young guys. And he did it. And that should make us all, no matter what we're chasing, whether it's at our job, whether it's just at our life, whether it's something like a stupid podcast and a blog, we should never stop chasing. Look at Chelsea Memel, who's a West Dallas native. She competed in a in the U.S. Classic, which I believe is a prelude to the Olympics. Don't quote me on that. I don't know gymnastics. I only pay attention to gymnastics for like two weeks in the middle of summer. Same with swimming, same with track and field. So pardon me if I got this wrong. But Chelsea Memel competed this weekend. She is 32 years old. She's as old as I am. She's two kids. She hasn't competed in eight years. Won the silver medal in 2008 when when your boy and her were just freshly 18. And for me, I was just a shithead. And she was winning gold medal, or a silver medal, excuse me. And she decided to come back. She decided that she wanted to make one last run at this at 32. And gymnasts are not supposed to be still doing this shit at 30s. It's just not what happens. It's a young, young sport. It's like, it, it's like running back on steroids, right? Like I think with gymnastics, you're done after like 25. Yet she kept fucking chasing and she's still chasing the dream to go back to the Olympics because why not? And that to me, again, you want some Monday motivation. You want to feel good on this Monday. Just understand that it's never too late, man. It's it, And you just never know. And you never know. And, and that's why I keep doing this shit. I'll be honest. Like... There are so many weeks, there are so many days where I just want to just say fuck it and just say, and, and you might have heard my inner monologue where I was like, oh, Mitch and I's podcast on Wednesday, that'll be the last podcast of the weekend. Because I looked at it and said, all right, I'm just going to take the weekend off. You guys aren't going to listen to me on the on Memorial Day Friday. You're not going to listen to me on Monday. We'll be back. We'll do a Thursday pod and then we'll do a Tuesday pod. Guess what? Guess who plays on Thursday night? Our Milwaukee Bucks. So guess who's doing a podcast for Friday? Your boy. And then guess who's doing a podcast on either Memorial Day or Sunday? TBD on that. Your boy. Because guess what? The Bucks are playing in game four on Saturday. And I can't let you guys down. I wish I would have blogged a little bit today about the Bucks, but I didn't, which is fine. It'll be all right. We'll, we'll survive. And... That's just shit keeps me going, man. And I, I, I will keep doing this until I can. And it, there will be a time where I can't do it. 
because I, I'm too busy. I have a kid. I have a house. I don't know. All sorts of shit. You never know. Maybe I have more responsibility at the job. But I want to do this until I can't. And if somehow, some way, it becomes my actual gig and I get paid real money to do do this kind of shit all the time, look out. Because it's gonna, it would be this on steroids. Excited. Leave it with that. A little different, little different way to end the show, but I enjoyed it. So take care, guys. Have yourself an awesome Monday. Short week for a lot of you, probably. We've got two Bucks playoff games. We have Brewers Padres all weekend, all week. It's good to be good to be a Milwaukeean. Weather going to be so so, and bad for golf this weekend. I want to I want to get out to golf on Memorial Day. And if any of you are around in Milwaukee and want to golf over this weekend, you know where to find me. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Nothing like soliciting golf invites. I, I do kind of want to come up with a golf golf group, but that's here and there. All right. I'm out. See ya.